Hey, Murdoch, I just started reading The Shepherd. Stop. Shepherd, that's not on the index page. So just no further. Get out of here with that stuff. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yerdeh. All right, so we thought we could do it all in one episode. Clearly, we were off, so we're just going to jump right back where we left off in the last one and get into the conversation. So if you didn't listen to the other one, go do that because you're jumping into a continuation. It's good stuff. It's all for your good. Yeah, it's all for your good. All right, let's go. So Vision 3 kind of talks about this... uh, building being built and there's a mention of stones and like this stone is being dipped in water this stone fits here this stone goes there this stone's put way over here and it's a uh, hermes just kind of to me it's funny like i don't understand mm-hmm. like i need you to tell me like i'm five and <laughs> explain it like i'm five <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. the, <laughs> it's the office moment where they're talking about surplus with oscar and he's mm-hmm. like telling what's well, because this is he's like can you Explain it to me like I'm eight. Uh, mommy and daddy gave you money for a lemonade stand. <laughs> they gave you $8, but you did it in seven. Oh, so yeah, that's Hermas here. Yeah, and he does that more throughout the book, which I've taken as... thankful. Right? Honestly, I'm th- right? Like, thank you for asking the question. Because like, sometimes it was like, cool, the, the disciples asked Jesus, explain this. And he's like, really, guys? All right, fine, I'll explain it. But can you ask him about the other ones? Yep. Because all these pastors are telling me stuff. and like, I want to know from Jesus. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. No worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, so he's just inquiring like, hey, I don't understand. Like, really break this down for me. Part that stood out to me was um, there's a line later. Hermes asked, uh, why is the water or why is the tower being built on water? And it's interesting. Um, her response is, um, first she's like, yeah, like, I told you before, but since you're inquiring diligently, which thank you for asking her, miss. But she answers, um, it's because your life is saved and shall be saved by water. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's interesting. Because that just reminds of that callback of like um, Jesus talking to um, Nicodemus. It's like, it's be born of water and born again. And it's like, what does the word water mean? Just different. Uh, it just jumped out to me because like the, there's uh, the ICOC, International Church of Christ, where another denominations like it, where they believe um, that uh, baptism is necessary for salvation. And I'm like, oh, this is seemingly hearkening to like that school of thought. Yeah, is that First or Second Peter that talks about being saved through water? First Peter. Yeah. Were you just pulling that up? Yeah. It, it was interesting because it had a. Uh, I, I had a note in the commentary I read that said creation was founded upon water, uh, as was the tower that uh, the church is. So the church that's being built in the water, as is the life of the Christian in baptism. So uh, the the commentary made the connection between creation and the and being founded upon the waters, like it was being baptized to come to life, and then uh, as Christians we get baptized and the church itself being built this this image of the tower being built here was like it's baptismal almost in the same sense uh, so she she compared it to that and then she had first peter 3:20 on there for that reference so yeah you were tracking on something there yeah. that that's far more interesting than what like we really comprehend 
And that's one of those honest things, like different denominationally, mm-hmm. towards like you can see because we're like, well, look, there's so many different denominations. Like when you read something like First Peter three, and you're like, look, you're saved, and there's the remission of sins coming through baptism, and you know all of that kind of concept that ties together. You can see how that and several scriptures come together to really make it seem like that's when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, there's other like being part of a Baptist church. There's like no, because look at all these other scriptures that say like there's no further action that's required for, you know, those that, that happens when you believe in faith. So, like, you can get it, and people just want to complain about, like, oh, look, there's so much division, so much whatever. Like, can you be honest that, like, both of those are plausible at least? Mm-hmm. I mean, we even saw, like, the difference in the Didache of what baptism was. Yeah. Like, it was, all right, full immersion, and I think, what was it? In living cold, water. Living water, yeah, right? Cold, so, living, so, water, cold yeah, living, yes. so running water. Um, if you don't have that, uh, then dip them in something warm, if you don't have that, sprinkle them in water, like water, not something in general. Like it can't just be warm. Break out the Diet Coke and yeah. sprinkle in. <laughs> <laughs> can't be a Diet Coke baptism. Uh, but, you know, it was like water, you know, just just do it. Like mm-hmm. whether, whatever, by whatever means you have. Yeah. Because you're looking at some cultures that when they were baptized and they're like, there's no running water. It's like and Dune. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then even the, the running water that we have or the water that we do have is it's precious like we're saving this for drinking so it's like all right just sprinkle it on top but it, it left the the options open it wasn't so hard-nosed and i think sometimes we get a little too like hard-nosed on like this is how it has to be done and if it's not done in this way in this fashion then it's not done right all that being said i would be the hard-nosed one like it's precious we're saving it for drinking don't you have faith in god be yeah. obedient <laughs> baptize the person he'll provide more water like i, I, I play both as like look be understanding there's different ways about this yeah. but also you need to fully <laughs> do what's being yeah. said yeah what else you got yeah and just um just it's just interesting how it shows a picture of church unity um talking about the stones that were dragged from the deep they placed in every case just as they were into the building where they had been shaped and they fitted in their joining with the other stones and they adhered so closely to one another that their joining could not possibly be detected Mm. and the building of the tower appeared as if it were built of one stone and it's like we should be that you like unified is like we look like we're just one massive unit just Mm -hmm. moving in the world. Mm -hmm. And just like, the thing that you brought up with denominations, and it's like, people can let that divide them, where it's like, hey, is Jesus Lord? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like the Jesus that is mentioned in the scriptures, triune and everything else, like, is he Lord? Is he God? And it's like, but women are wearing pants. The church is like, is Jesus God? Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many things that we can just divide over and even talks about. And I think in, um, I want to say one of the Corinthians, just like, oh, like a, a list of sins and talk about don't let have divisions and factions amongst yourselves. And it's just how easily do we kind of get tribalistic. And it's like, hey, fight for unity. And like, it's an active, like, Fighting. Fighting's a very active thing. It's tiring. It's work. It's effort. It doesn't come easily, but that's what we're commanded to do. And then in this description, to like have it so like seamless, it's just a very good goal to press forward. Because I know sometimes I could be like, dang, we're not like that, and just mm-hmm. kind of get like depressed and beat up about it. But it's like, hey, this is a goal to work on. Because 
we're still in these bodies. We still have our tendencies where it's like, they're there, but you can also work on it and break those tendencies. And it's like who God formed is, they said the stones were shaped. And so they had to be formed. And we can achieve that unity. It just takes the work. Mm-hmm. It takes the work and it takes the forming. Yeah. And that, I thought that was the interesting part too, that some of the stones, um, I even have a breakdown of what each stone means, but like some of them were formed uh, and like shaped. So they came, I think they were circular um, and they had like, it was like, no, these ones will eventually, you know, through life and through all this forming will become squares that will fit inside of there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was a big part of that beginning whole section of the top of the stones that just fit perfectly aligned. And it is this call for unity and harmony and, um, how much of that is missing in the church today? Because like you said, tribalism, um, that just divides us so easy. It's, it's interesting because I found that like false teaching is what we try to prevent from coming in the church. But I think we work so hard at it sometimes that we've also then separated ourselves from each other. They're like, oh, they believe they're speaking in tongues. Go over there, you know, or they believe this and that or that. Whatever it is, all these little separations that denominations have created just because people disagreeing with things theologically, Mm -hmm. that it has separated us. If we were to look at the church, I don't know if we're that much of smooth stones that fit perfectly with each other anymore. Maybe within conferences. But even then, there's separations. Yeah. Uh, but That's it, the least likely place, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It, it, and again, these are these nods to what we know in the New Testament, harmony, unity within the body. So we've, we've talked about like different denominations, like, oh, how we view these like different doctrines or, you know, how to interpret these scriptures, right? And I think that what's interesting here is when you get the breakdown of the stones, so you have like the white square stones, you have the stones that were taken from the deep, you have the stones that needed to be shaved, you have stones that were just discarded, right? Caught on fire and rolled away into nothingness. So you have all these different, and it's, he's given the breakdown, like Josiah was saying, like, can, can, can you tell me these things? <laughs> he's like, yes, here's what the stones mean. But when you look at those white square stones that fit perfectly, saying that they represented the apostles, the bishops, mm-hmm. the teachers, and the ministers who have lived piously and have been faithful to Christ, right? And we're just looking at, like, yes, good doctrine is going to lead you towards a pious life. Like, that's not the concern there. It's like when we're looking at what's going to bring us unity, it's the seeking to live a godly life. Because guess what? Us three and everyone else listening to this, no matter what denomination Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, whatever you got going on, you're wrong about something. Mm-hmm. Your understanding about something. You personally, like whatever you want to think about the structure that you're in, but like you are carrying on to something wrong. How do you yourself become united with the rest of the body? You want to just argue about your doctrine all day? Or like, do I need to pursue God to the extent that I am giving him my whole life? And through that process, I am shaped that I can fit in with others, right? It's about me as the stone being shaped. Yeah. Which going back to Peter, he talks about, like, right, all the stones being built up and Christ is the cornerstone. It's like, yeah, Christ is the perfect cornerstone. He's the perfect shape. We're trying to become more Christ-like. So it's like, how can I become more Christ-shaped in my life? Because only then will I fit in. I can walk around and tell you everything about how every other doctrine is wrong and how those people don't fit in. <laughs> it's like, cool, then all of us are just... 
not fitting in on the tower? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, I think that it's kind of the thing of like, once you begin to live the right life more and more and more, uh, your advice actually becomes useful to other people. Yeah, I like the way you put that. Do you know what I mean? Because like, yeah. I can be saying technically the right things, but if the spirit isn't in me, it's like, what good is that doing you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, just to touch on that last part you said, uh, Chris Brown. Um, friend of the show. Friend of the show uh, likes to say that uh, um, you could be doing so much for God, but not realize that the spirit has left your ministry. Samson. And, yeah. And others it's it's a that's a tough one to like we think we're doing the right thing but is the spirit moving with us because when the spirit moves with us i think that's when we start becoming those square stones that fit united so, in love i yeah. think is what scriptures talk about right yeah uh let's break down some of those uh stones real quick so we have uh, the square stones you already talked about that those are apostles and overseers uh then there's the stones from the from the depth uh those are the martyrs um uh so the depth uh from which they were taken is likely the realm of death uh, and the name they suffered for is obviously Jesus. Uh, the ones that were put into the building, these are the just. These are the people who lived righteous lives. Uh, then there's the ones that are thrown not far away. These are the people who sin uh, but wished to repent. Uh, the, then there's ones thrown far and broken, uh, and these are the sons and daughters of hypocrites. Uh, the scaly ones are the unfaithful to the truth and hypocritical. Uh, the scale. Scaly stones started out on the right path. They knew the truth, but didn't continue uh, consistently according to it. Uh, and the most important, they have not been faithful to their social responsibilities as Christians. Uh, the cracked ones, these are the ones that uh, do not want peace. I-, I like the way the commentary broke it down. It said these are people who uh, can't let go of resentment and can't keep peace with each other. And just as we were talking about forgiveness being such a vital part earlier, that I really liked that that was like these stones that are all cracked. It's just they, they hold resentment in. Um, the stunted ones, uh, they're attached to evil. The white and rounded, uh, they have faith and wealth. And the commentary I read said, uh, these are rich Christians who have wealth of the world along with their faith. And in a time of tribulation, when forced to choose between faith and prosperity, make the wrong choice. Uh, the Lord uh, they deny is Christ. Making rich people uh, useful to God is like trying to fit a round stone into a square hole. They must be trimmed into square squares first uh and then again this is throughout the bible that this is a christian theme that how wealth can uh what it can do to people and i like that it's like that what we're talking about they have to be trimmed um then there's the falling on rough ground those are those who wandered from the faith and then falling into the fire like you said murdoch those are the apostates and then at the edge of the water uh these are people uh hesitating about baptism because of their uh of the moral demand and that one was interesting to me because these are the people who are like, I like it. It sounds good, but I don't know if I could live up to it. And uh, Hermas is just knocking on so many of these kind of uh, cultural issues in Roman life. But I also think they're like issues that we still face today. You look like you have something you want to say. Just the one about those white round stones, mm-hmm. the, like the wealthy ones. Uh, two things. Living in America, the goal of so many of us is wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite all of the things that we've been told about it, like it's just ingrained in American culture. And even if just like, well, I'm not, go-, like you said, that it's when faced in tribulation, like which one are you going to do? Um, even if you think that you're poor in America, 
you're actually really wealthy. Like, historically, like, everything about how we live in America is, like, we live better than kings of, the, of, like, days gone by. Like, we are wealthy. And when we're looking at, okay, as wealthy Americans, no matter where you're at on that scale of, of uh, money, who are you choosing? Mm-hmm. So conviction point, a lot of times I choose comfort. Yeah. A lot of times I choose things that will be more financially stable. And, like, I know there's a thing of financial stewardship and everything comes in that, but, like, that's just a huge one, I think, that as far as stones go, if we're like, well, look at all the stones, like, yeah, there's probably some of us that are cracked or holding on to stuff and this and that. But I think that culturally, our culture wants to shape us into those round white stones. Which mm-hmm. is like, no, you can have faith. You can be a Christian in this country. But like, gear yourself towards cash. Mm. And then the other thing, just when it's talking about um, those ones that are hesitating on the outside of the water, because like, oh, if I get baptized, there's this moral c- command that's going to be there. We didn't really talk about it from the first vision, but that's where it comes into like, so I've been baptized, kind of go with Josiah, what you're talking about, like the Church of Christ type thing, like I've been cleansed of my sins. I sinned again. Is there any forgiveness or grace after that? And that's where it kind of gets taught in the, in the first vision. It's like, yeah, there is a grace after that. Mm-hmm. Like there is a forgiveness after that. But just really looking at even, again, what's going on there is like people going, I don't know, if I get baptized, like, that's me done with all of this. I really need to hold myself to this standard. And the common teaching was just like, yeah, and if you screw up, there's there's no chance for you after like there is no mm-hmm. second forgiveness or grace. So just those two things tying in from this vision and the first vision of like how big a deal it is to commit yourself to Christ through baptism. I was like, I don't know about you guys, but the command and demand for an absolute moral life in submission to Christ prior to baptism. I don't really, I've, I've never really seen that get taught in my life. It's like, no, you should follow him. <laughs> like to the level of these people, like, I don't know, bro, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't really see that happening for those reasons. Yeah. That's what I really like about Hermas though. It's like, you're, you're catching what their theological debates and what they were trying to figure out from what they knew at that time. Like we have thousands of years of history study people who have put in work to tell us like hey there here's the meaning and here's that but this was the church just figuring it out like whatever you want to say like hermes was written was it first century second century either way that's still like early in the in the after jesus moment um and they're trying to figure it all out they're piecing things together and this is what i like about hermes's book it's like you said he's constantly asking the questions because you know, what would we do in those situations? All right, run that by me again. I just didn't catch it the first time. Nah, I'd be too prideful. I'd be like, got it. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I'm like, Chris, you're better than me. I'd have been like, yep, just nod my head. Don't say anything. <laughs> you, you were just like, Yo, can I get that book to copy it? I'm like, yeah, sweet. Got it. <laughs> I don't remember yesterday, but yeah. I got all of that. <laughs> I got all that vision and its importance and meaning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a really cool, uh, interesting book, and there's so much in it. Um, even with this Vision Three, mm-hmm. uh, this the allegory of a tower and like the stones being built in it, and it's like it almost seems like you know, if this is the church, these are people, and it's predetermined. But there's also like this, uh, but there's these other stones that might get placed there, and if they change their mind, so it has like this end times kind of like finality. Like the tower is what's being built, yeah. but it also has this real time looseness of like salvation. And I think that's what uh, most of the visions hit is like, 
salvation is now. Do it now while you can. Uh, if you don't, it's not good for you. But like, do it now. But there's also like, you know, there's the grace of what God's given us is time. Oh, totally. Like um, talking about just like uh, the stones that aren't too far from the tower. And it's like, they can come be a part of it if they repent. Mm-hmm. And so it's the thing of like, yes, like currently they're not a part of it, but they still have that chance. What do you think about that though? It's just like, it's calling out currently you're not a part of it because you're not repenting. Because you started off saying this book is really interesting. Specifically, this vision is really interesting to you because like this yeah. isn't how things get talked about today. It's just like, oh, you're unrepentant? Oh, no, you're part of the church. Like, you're in full fellowship with us, mm-hmm. right? So what do you think about all that? I think that there is, like, what you're kind of talking about a little bit earlier with, like, the stones and the edge of the water. There isn't that process of, I have to get rid of everything that isn't lined up with God's commands. And, like, for me, my personal experience, I've had a similar thing of, like, hey, like, count the costs, like, going through those uh, like stories in the Bible, the man building a tower, the king going out to war, and like just really considering, is this a choice I want to make? And for me, like I had that chance to sit down. I'm like, no, yes, I really want this life as a Christian. But I grew up in the church and went away from it. And then that's where I really came back to Christ was then, right? To me, really, for the first time. Um, but just others who I'm like, I've seen people be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then live not the Christian life, even from like, yeah, like last night, like accepted Christ as Lord. And then, and of course there's a thing of sanctification and stuff, but just not seeing the repentance after a while. And I'm like, dang, like, what does that mean? And for me, just kind of my thinking of things, it's uh, if I say I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm not following, did I really take up Christ as Lord? Hmm. Because, like, I can be a police officer or a firefighter or whatever occupation I want to pick in this scenario and not go through the training, not do the job. Like, I get fired. Mm-hmm. Like, there is that maybe, like, yeah, you're part of the thing. But then it's like, no, you're not doing what I told you to do. Like, you're not welcome here. And it's a hard pill to swallow, but I think it's a good reality check of, like, am I living this life? Are there things where, like Hermes talked about earlier, like he was grateful that God showed him his sins. And it's like, am I grateful God shows me my sin? Mm. Or am I like dreading that thought of like, oh, like God's going to catch me or whatever. And it's like uh, examining myself and then cutting out those roots that shouldn't be there. Because it's talking about like, there is that chance of repentance. Once they do so, they're welcomed in. And I think that it's just reminder for me and everyone else just like, examine yourself daily moment to moment like really make sure you're living this thing i i, I like uh carolyn osick is the commentary i'm reading from and the way she puts it too is um that these people uh they're aware of their sins they wish to change their lives and but haven't done so yet or have not completed the process and uh in today's church we have uh come to the altar say this prayer and you've got it, and that's, and then please come back to get baptized at some point. Yeah, and <laughs> like, you want to. <laughs> that's where I see this kind of really bucking against that because there is a process. There is a process that you have to go through to get saved. If saying a prayer was what got you saved, that's almost like an in 
incantation. It's almost like a like a it's like magic, like boopity boppity boop. You're you're good now, you know. And it's like, but we hold on to on to this thought that that's it. That's all you need to do. But the reality is there's a process. And that's why these stones are at the edge because they could go through the process. They can repent. They could accept the conversion. And then they're part of the building. They're, they're in it. But it is a process. And a lot of times we're, we're so, uh, we're not really allowing people to like go through that. Even if they're coming to church, like you were saying, like how are they, they're here, they're part of things. But like a lot of people come to church with just trying to like, I need to understand this. And I don't get it yet, but you're telling me all I have to do is this. And that means I get it. And then they do it and they're like, I still don't get it. I'm done. Yeah. So to kind of take the two things, because you're saying, like, hey, if all it took was a prayer for salvation, and then Josiah, you said like, yeah, if you're a, a fireman or a policeman or whatever, and you don't do it, like you're fired. So that's kind of co- coming against two things is like, um, are you saved by works or not? And then also is there once saved, always saved or not? So kind of looking at those things. But when you are able to hold the things in tension, it's just like, yes, my salvation comes through faith that's not dependent. So like when it comes to the prayers, like there has to be that moment I'm coming to God. Mm-hmm. And like it's not dependent yeah. on anything that I'm doing. So like there is that moment of coming and it's just like, it's fully dependent on God. And all I am doing is coming before him, which prayer, you know, being in that. But that would be like the example of, I'm going to go and enroll as a, fireman right you're saying i'm going to come and be a child of god now if you say i'm going to do that and then you never did it that's where scripture says well you left because you never really were yeah right and that's the same thing you're just like yeah i'm going to come before god and say i want to be a child of god and then never do anything with it it's just like well then when he said okay you can be just because you said i want to does that mean that you actually did that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because then he opens up and says here's my grace walk mm-hmm. in it. And if you don't walk in it, then it's just like, okay, well, you didn't actually do that thing mm-hmm. yet. So I think that's where holding these things in tension is like, yeah, it really is just by faith. But if you don't follow through on it, then were you ever actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like the way she phrased that. It, it helped me understand this a lot more that uh, they're close. They just, they haven't completed the process and mm-hmm. whatever's holding mm-hmm. them back. And there's a lot of people who come to church. There's a lot of reasons why they don't want to finish that. And I could get the like moral demand uh, but in today's day and age too, I could also get that that's not really what's holding a lot of people back because it's like, ah, once I'm saved though, I'm in and I don't have to even change how I'm living. And even if I keep living the way I do, all I have to say is like, God, forgive me. And, mm-hmm. and I can keep moving on in the way I want to. And that's where we're just taking what Paul says, that grace and making it a license to sin. Yeah. Um, which is crazy that all that comes from a tower being built in this illustration of stones and everything. Uh, I've got one more thing, and then we'll move on to the final two visions. They're, they're uh, kind of easier to wrap up. Uh, but there's the seven women holding the tower. Did you guys watch that? See that? I, uh, I watched you that. You watched it? Yeah, it I got crazy. the vision. <laughs> you too? Yeah. Yeah. I, just I was reading them. it and I was just like, lady, please grant me the vision <laughs> that you promised me. No, I just was reading Hermas and I made it about me in it. And then it you happened. started fasting and all that other stuff that he did? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you not know me by now? <laughs> <laughs> but there's seven women holding the tower, it's, and they're uh, described as faith, self-restraint, simplicity, mm-hmm. uh, gallness, uh, chastity, intelligence, and love. And I just like that it, all those examples of like, you know what holds this thing together? It's faith, it's self-control, it's uh, knowledge, and it's love at the very end and, and all of that. And, you know, we just did a breakdown of uh, Second Peter's list of characteristics. So it just kind of reminded me of that. 
um, not on the podcast, in church. So go find our church on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Calvary Bellflower. Subscribe. Subscribe. Listen. Anyways, uh, Vision 4. And then, uh, yeah, I think 5 is pretty short, so we'll just Vision 4 and 5 it. All right, so Vision 4. Um, this is, again, uh, says 20 days after the former vision, so not too much time has passed. But um, he's just kind of walking, and it's interesting. He just he seems to be always giving glory to God, or always praying, or just mm-hmm. in that mindset, which convicts me because I'm like, oh yeah, I got my work. I'm focusing on work, like just kind of one tracked mind. I'm like, pray continuously, Josiah. Really get on this, and thank you, Hermes, for the example. Mm-hmm. But um, he sees this uh giant like dust cloud, and. He just sees a huge beast. And like he is, I would be terrified. Just this giant supernatural seeming thing barreling towards me. Yeah. Yeah. I always, uh, um, I watch wrestling. Uh, so uh, Brock Lesnar, like this giant beast of a man. And I, when we watch it, I'm, like, I'm there with friends. Like uh, I'll tell Justin, like, all right, Brock Lesnar's running at you full speed with the intent to hurt you. What do you do? And like most of us are just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to curl up in, in fear because if this dude hits me with one punch, that's pretty much going to be it. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. If you're going to hit me anyways, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. You throw one punch, but it's not going to do much. <laughs> yeah. Unless you guys, like, you hit that right button, right? And it's like, whoa, I did it. But... Like, where's my stone and sling? <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah, just speaking of feeling terrible, he says, I began to weep. It's like, this man is scared. But it's really cool that he gets, um, he remembers the word that he heard as, do not be of doubtful mind, Hermes. Mm -hmm. And just as the monster gets closer and closer and closer, he just sees like descriptions of the beast uh, having four colors, um, black, then like fire, it's like a red, and then um, gold, then white, and, and just having those colors. And it says that gets closer and closer and closer. It stretched itself on the ground and then puts forth its tongue and then not stirred at all until Hermes passes it. Mm-hmm. And so just having this beast come at him charging and just slowly stops before him. And then he uh, sees a, a virgin um, as if she were going forth in the bridal chamber in white with white sandals and upon her forehead a veil and her hair was white. And uh, he talks about i knew from the former visions that it was the church and so talking about the lady that we've been talking about he finally about, caught on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he finally <laughs> caught on <laughs> took a few visions and yeah. i'm glad because we can be slow of things but then um just talks about how trusting in god when these hard things come mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the gist of the vision it's just trusting in god when this giant beast is barreling towards you i really loved it like it was like he was praying and fasting and in the midst of that was the do not have doubt yeah right and and sometimes we're like god i need you to speak to me i need you to tell me something share with me reveal things to me and like he comes in with the most simplest messages of mm-hmm. do not be afraid don't worry and we're like what does that even mean yep and then we get hit with this moment like this, and, and uh, the beast, uh, mine, uh, called it a whale, my translation. I thought, that's weird. Like, why is it a whale? It's on dry land. Uh, but then I, when I did the looking into it, sea monster, leviathan, it could be compared to those things as well. Moby. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's coming at him at full speed. And that's where he remembers, don't doubt. Like that's when he's like, oh, wait, God answered this prayer already. And then it's just like it, the beast just turns into a dog. Yeah. Like it just like sits and like tongues out and like nothing. And he's able to pass through. And uh, there's a, a reference in here and it, it does uh, kind of mention it when he talks about it. It says uh, that he gave up his fears to God or something like that. But it's Psalms 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will stain you. He'll never let the righteous be shaken. And you're seeing that here that, again, it's pulling from these things. And, and that's what I thought was interesting, like you're saying. It's just like this beast is coming. God had already given him the answer to get through that. Yeah. And, and a lot of commentaries of this beast, it could be looked at as tribulation. It could be looked at as persecution, suffering. Uh, I even read it could be looked at as um, what kind of is the underline in a lot of the visions of wealth and materialism being thrown at you, like Murdoch was saying earlier about the a culture of living. I mean, we live in America where it's like, yeah, live wealthy, but Rome was no different. Like, it was like, live wealthy. This is how you want to live. And probably more in like, live in lavishness and all that other stuff. Every time I think of Rome, I just think of, like, someone sitting there with and getting fed grapes and just, like, being fanned, you know, in this very lavished way, I guess. You know, so all these tribulations could be a lot of those things of what this beast is. But the answer was already given. When you get to this, don't doubt. Just trust me and walk forward. Yeah. Later on, trust in the Lord. A uh, man of doubtful mind, for he can do all things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, God can do it. Whatever he wants to do, God's got it handled. <laughs> and just having like trust and faith that God is a good God. He's all powerful. He does what he will. Mm-hmm. And since he's good, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I, I read too this, uh, and it said that uh, he realizes that faith in the Lord protects him like armor and is the source of his courage to face the beast head on. And that really, um, I, I never really think of faith as like in God as armor. You know, we, we get told like put on the armor of God, but it, it's like broken up into different sections and different things. Isn't one of them faith? Yeah, but it's just one of them, you know, but like this was saying like the whole thing that protected him was, was his faith in what God said to him. It, it like protects us in it. And when you think about like, okay, I'm going through a tough time. If I don't have faith in God, that's where I start to, the tough time starts to win more than, than God does. It gets bigger than God. Yeah. It's an interesting thing looking at like that tribulation, things getting big and having the faith and then what happens there towards the end of the vision when he's like, all right, look, these colors, there's colors on the beast, like tell me about mm-hmm. it. And she's like, all right, listen. <laughs> so tells the colors. But getting to the end of like the explanation, all right, black is the world. Then there's, you know, gold is tested by fire. White is the age to come. And, and looking at those things um, says this then is the type of the great tribulation that is to come. If you wish it, it will be nothing. Remember those things which were written down before. Right. And just talking about like, yeah, there's going to be a tribulation. Like here's this beast coming in. But if you wish it, it'll be nothing. Kind of just like, look at the power that just laid this beast down. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is the tribulations that come. You can trust God. And then it goes, and saying this, she departed. I did not see into what place she retired. Right. And you're like, okay, she's gone. And he's got this great faith that just like, yeah, look, tribulation, the beast will lay down. There's, there's a noise, however, and I turned around in alarm thinking that the beast was coming. Yep. And it's just like, she just told you that you're safe in your faith and that here's the thing and the tribulation has no power and like, look at that, it's nothing. And it's like, rawr. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that is yeah. just me, right? The, the amount of assurance that can come through. I can be just brought through a tribulation to where God can lay down the beast that's coming. Like I can go through that experience and just on the other side of it, just like time and time again in scripture, you're immediately scared again. Mm-hmm. I look at Elijah, right? With everything that was happening to him. And then he's like, oh, Jezebel's coming after me, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't mean to mock him because I would also be like, you know, yeah. in that situation. Again, the realness of this. So we're like, he didn't have to throw that in there. No. <laughs> like, then I heard something I got freaked out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, isn't it just the thing of like, God will build us up and like, there's still just like those things of fear and of uncertainty and of, of things that can be there even in the midst of like, you just saw what he can do. I think of the disciples are just like, oh, we're not going to have any food. Like, oh no, what are we going to do? It's like, did you not just see me feed thousands of people mm-hmm. for the second time? Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we move into Vision 5, which is pretty simple, just the introduction of who the shepherd is. But there's a theory, the angel who shuts the beast's mouth in there. And like, there's nothing on this dude, like in any Jewish or Christian history. Uh, but the commentary I read, it was interesting. She paralleled it to Daniel 6, when Daniel's like, God sent an angel and it shut the mouth of the lion. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was that guy. Who knows? I don't know. But we'll throw it out there. We'll just leave it at that. But yeah, Vision 5, the shepherd shows up, and here he is. So this is the guy who now, from here on out, this is why it's called the Shepherd of Hermos, right? Because from here on out, the shepherd is kind of taking him through the uh, commandments and the parables, and that's kind of how it just ends. It's like, all right, here's this guy, and here we go into the commandments. Yeah. It's really interesting, just like when the shepherd comes to Hermos, it's... Hermes says, I thought he came to tempt me. And I say, like, like, who are you? Um, for I know unto who I was delivered. And he's like, Do you not recognize me? Like, I'm the person. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's me. And I just I just found it humorous. Just like it reminds me of um I forget what road it was, but after Jesus' resurrection and he's walking Oh, Emmaus. Emmaus, yeah. yes, Emmaus. Yeah, the road to Emmaus, and just like walking alongside and they don't recognize who Jesus was until he like allowed it to be. Mm. And it's like just a similar thing. Just, I just find it humorous, but like, how would I react in that situation? Just like put myself in his shoes, just fun food for thought. Yeah. That's what Hermes is like these visions. A lot of it is like, there's no, like you're saying Murdoch, there's no, uh, pulling back the, how would I react and not write that in there. Uh, he, it's just like, no, this is how I reacted. I think that's in our intro episode. We were talking about like, Hermes isn't really some great lauded character mm-hmm. of anything. Like he's no. just a normal dude. Mm-hmm. And like, you do see that just in, in yeah. how the story is told. It was like the most popular writing that, uh, was, didn't come from an apostle or someone underneath the apostles. It was just a normal dude. And, uh, what I like about it, because uh, just the understanding of like how it was more of a spoken thing first that then became put into writing, you could see how he's like telling these stories and using these visions to get across a point. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to that, uh, the Bible is all you need. We don't need to use illustrations, even though Jesus spoke in parables and did all the illustration thing. Is that like, yeah, you take things in imagery especially of what people are going through and you put it into a situation and then you pull out the everyday uh, lessons in them. Yeah. Like the tower, like, what does this mean? It's so confusing. Well, essentially it's like, Hey, if you're up here, cool, stay up there. 
Keep living in harmony with one another. Uh, if you are martyred, guess what? And, and you know someone who is martyred, guess what? God's going to pull them up, and he, they're placed in another place of honor. Um, but hey, if you're waffling on this idea, don't take too long because you don't know when the day is coming. Yeah. But make the choice, and you could still be part of this. And then, yeah, some of them, like even when we talked about Enoch, some of them, they're just, they're gone. They got thrown away. They're not, there's nothing for them. Um, but it does paint these pictures for them and puts it into real-life application. Uh, and then you can see a lot of the tie-in from the Bible. So I really did have fun with the five visions. I thought it was, a, it was more interesting once I studied it than it was when I first read it. When I first read it, I was all kinds of confused for a little bit. <laughs> this is a weird book. It's kind of Daniel, Revelation-y, you know, mm-hmm. got like the other part of Daniel, not the part where people camp out. Like yeah. once it gets into the vision, <laughs> you're like, all right, now you're giving me math and like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but just how you're saying like he thought that he's coming to get tempted because just like, well, what happened to the woman? Yeah. <laughs> right? He's just like, that's this guy wearing, uh, what was he? Dressed like a shepherd with white goat skin and just like, all right, a shepherd showed up. He's telling me that he's here. I'm entrusted to him. Interesting thing there, entrusted to an angel. Guardian angels, anyone? Mm-hmm. Like really, this is where you see an early church concept of that, of guardian angels. And you see it play out differently is either over a person um, or given to a church, which can also kind of get played out throughout the centuries as yeah. well. But the idea of a guardian angel that this, again, Hermes just being a normal dude and him saying like, oh, no, I've been entrusted to somebody. And he's like, I, that's me. So Josiah, who's your guardian angel? <laughs> if you say your girlfriend. <laughs> no, his name's Tim. Uh, he might go way back. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts on the vision before we wrap this up? Um, I just found it really um, cool. Because uh, for me lately, um, I would say maybe for the past year or so, um, I've mentioned the Murdoch a few times. Just um, We hear like God as father. A lot mm-hmm. and we're like yeah he's a good father like and go like in the comfort and everything but it seems that we tend to lose the other part of where he is lord and creator and master of like the cosmos mm-hmm. and just where um hermes like when he said what he said um he said well, like while the man was still speaking his form changed and i recognized them as being the same to whom i was delivered and straight away i was confounded and fear seized me and i was altogether overwhelmed with distress that i'd answered him so wickedly and senselessly mm. and it's like where is our sense of like reverence mm-hmm. and like like a healthy fear of like god and that's just kind of something like I've been just thinking about and trying to like bring into my life. Um, and it's just reminded me of that to where, yeah, like, you know, the song, like good, good father, amazing song. God is a good father. But then like we can get so comfortable. And like, if we don't have that other side of like, no, he is my master. Like he's not just my father. He's my master. Mm-hmm. And like, if he says something, I, like I go <laughs> mm-hmm. like for like, I think like with my dad, like, I can talk to him so casually and like freely. And sometimes I get too free with my tongue and I got to remember like there is a level of like respect I should have for my dad. Mm-hmm. How much more for the creator of the universe? Yeah. And sometimes I can be like, dang, like some like Christian jokes I say, I'm like, should I be saying those? Blasphemy. Like, <laughs> like it's funny. <laughs> like it's Christian. It's not bad. But like 
is there that sense of like reverence for God? And it just makes me think sometimes. So I'm like, how would God react? Uh, we uh, joke around a lot at my house, you know, healthy sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and I use the words shut up a lot. So like Remy will jokingly sometimes tell me like, shut up, dad. And it's, it's playful. It's banter, right? Yeah. Uh, but then there are, like you were saying, those moments of where I'm like, I'm like, go clean your room. And she's like, shut up, dad. And I'm like, no, I'm dad now. Yeah. And I think you forgot because like you said, we got too loose and comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. So I need to remind you. And I think God does that a lot with us sometimes that we do sometimes approach him a little too loose, too comfortable and not really with what we're saying. I feel like it's more of how I'm living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's not like, I, I feel like we could go to God and be like, and say almost anything. And he's like, yeah. Because, I mean, you look at Job. You brought it up a few times. And Job was just, like, going to town at some point. He was just like, I've had enough. This is it. And then God was like, yeah, but were you there? And Job's like, ah, I forgot. I forgot my place. I needed to be reminded. Um, but I think we do it a lot with our lifestyle and, and how we live. The thing of taking him on as master, as, a, as Americans, right? Like, nah, freedom. Yep. Kick off the monarchy. All the stuff. Like, it's like... I wish that Americans would understand what any of liberty meant. But that's a side story. (laughs) Um, In our quest to not have a master, we've made it bad to have a master. Mm -hmm. Just like people who've had a bad father struggle with seeing God as a good father. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a thing of just like, no, 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 masters are bad. Somebody who you're in submittal to, like, that's not good. You need to have your freedom. You need to have your, like, you need to have those things. Otherwise, like... Anything other than your absolute liberty is bad, which there's liberty in Christ, right? So it's yep. like there is those themes, like there's the most liberty in Christ. When you're like, you need to hold all of these things together and understand the perspectives of how that plays through. Chris, like you were saying, your life is like the best thing in the world for every human being is to find the joy in being a servant of the good master. Like it's the best spot for us to be. Mm-hmm. Like it really is like the amount that's just like, whoa, here's what it is to live in this mode. Like when I stop, what does it t- say about Paul? Like you're kicking against the goads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, once you stop kicking against it, it's just like, look at what's in store. So much good stuff. Mm, can I give my th- my final thought to to some of this? Yeah. The, the, the five visions. The five visions for me looking at what's the important thing for me in these things and just looking at. What is he getting out of this? And we've, we've, we've all touched about it throughout and then even in our wrap-ups kind of here. But again, uh, this is towards the end of the third vision. And he's asking, can, can you explain this to me? Mm-hmm. And like, can you tell me about how come this woman looked different every time she showed up? Right? And I really want to hone in on this. I'll, I'll go quickly through it. But for me, it's like, this is what I needed from it. And I constantly need. And I like, think it's so good. We've talked about kind of, oh, taking the stones and making the stones mm-hmm. fit. This is another way of saying that. But he says, all right, why in the first vision did she appear to you as an old woman seated in a chair? Because your spirit's now old and withered up, and it's lost its power in consequence of your infirmities and your doubts. For like elderly men, you have no hope of renewing their strength, and you expect nothing but your last sleep. So you, weakened by worldly occupations, have given yourself up to sloth, and have not cast your cares upon the Lord. Your spirit, therefore, is broken, and you've grown old in your sorrows. Right? And just like, that's why she showed up like that. And I know what that is for my faith to be in that spot. The, the sins move in, the doubts move in, the whatever comes on is just like, yeah, I guess I've just given myself up to not really applying and seeing what could happen here. 
I goes, all right, well, why was she sitting in the chairs? Because like a weak person sits in the chair, like your weakness got to be sustained. So that's what you got there. I goes, all right, well, second vision, she was standing with youthful countenance, joyful than before, but she had skin and hair of an aged woman. All right, well, in this one, when one becomes somewhat old, he despairs of himself on account of weakness and poverty, and you're looking forward to nothing but the last day of his life. But suddenly, an inheritance is left behind, and hearing of this, he rises up and becomes exceedingly joyful. He puts on strength. He no longer now reclines, but he stands up, and with the spirit that was already destroyed by his previous actions is renewed now. He no longer sits, but he acts with vigor. So this happened with you upon hearing the revelation which God gave you. For the Lord has had compassion on you and renewed your spirit, and you laid aside your infirmities. Vigor arose within you, and you grew strong in your faith. And the Lord, seeing your strength, rejoiced. On account of this is why he showed you the building of the tower, and he'll show you other things too. And just looking at like, yeah, you weren't placing your faith in God. That wasn't happening. He's like, but God's showing you these things because he'll find joy when you renew your strength in him. It's like the point isn't for you to like stay in that weak spot. Then you move on to, all right, the third vision, she was younger still was more noble and joyful, and her shape was beautiful now. For this, just as when some good news comes suddenly on someone who's sad, immediately he forgets all of his former sorrows and looks for nothing else than the good news which he's just heard, and the future is now made strong for good and spirits renewed on account of the joy which he's received, so you've also received the renewal of your spirits by seeking these good things, right? And just seeing that transformation of going from a spot of just like, I'm dead in my transgressions. My faith is weak. I've turned against God. There's all of these things. So like, oh, you're starting to get some of that renewal back. And it's just like, you're seeing that that inheritance is still for you. Because sometimes, I don't know, as a Christian, I feel like, well, I squandered my inheritance. It's not for me anymore. And then it's like, oh, good. You took that on and you're growing stronger in that. Now you're just full of joy and it's like fully coming out. So that explanation, which I think that just hones in on so much of what's coming in there is like, can you be forgiven after repentance? Yes. And I think that by my own experience of going through these things, I hope I never have to go through it again where my faith feels dead like that. But the fact that God is still good and he takes joy in our spirits being renewed and coming to that, like out of these visions, that was a spot where I'm just like, I love that part so much. There's a lot of weird visions, but I'm glad that he asked that question because that breakdown was just like, I know I needed that at a point and probably others do as well. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right, we come back next week with uh, the commandments. And that, Josiah will be back with that us. That the shepherd gave. He's like, yo, write yeah. these down. The shepherd was like, write these down. And he wrote them down. And these are our fun ones. So uh, we'll come back with that. So I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. And I'm Josiah. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.